This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. Hey, so friends, we are so glad to gather in the name of Jesus this morning. Amen? Amen. Man, I cannot wait to see what he's going to do, but he's got something good lined up. Hey, let me start by telling you a little secret about myself that I think only one other person in the world knows, and that's my wife. So about a year and a half ago, I decided to be different, and I decided to learn Spanish. And the, the, and the catalyst for that was the fact that my daughter, Abby, who's at college, that's her minor, and I thought, how cool would it be if when she came home on spring break, when she came up with Christmas, when she comes home for the summer, whatever it is, I could begin to talk to her in this exciting language that she loves so much. And I thought also, hey, we got a lot more people moving into our area, and that's their first language, and how cool if I could connect with them in a way that makes more sense to them. And so I started to learn Spanish. I, you know, I did what you would do. I just downloaded Duolingo, and I looked at all the lessons, and they've got like, I don't know, 150 lessons to learn basic Spanish. And so I started going through the lessons. I'm literally driving down Route 30, listening to Duolingo speak to me in Spanish, and then I'm repeating it to my steering wheel. And I, and, and this is so great. I'm starting to learn Spanish. I got through, out of 150 lessons, I got through one and a half <laughs> lessons. And that was all. And I stopped. Like, I just got De derailed. I got sidetracked. I, I started listening to podcasts instead. I started listening to messages instead. I started just driving with music on instead. And so to this day, listen, my, my attempt to make myself better, to make myself different, failed miserably. Because all I can do in Spanish is count to 10. And that doesn't even count because I learned that in fifth grade. It wasn't even because I started this. So listen, I, I wanted to be different. I thought that by now, a year and a half ago, I thought, man, a year and a half from back then, a year and a half like now, I'll be so good at speaking Spanish when Abby comes home. I failed miserably because I'm just the same as I was a year and a half ago. And I'm probably not too far off to say that you have done the same. Like, you want your life to be different in some way. You may not always speak it out, but you think it and you know it. There are parts of your life you want to be different. So, you color your hair. You join a gym. You buy a new car. You buy new clothes. You update your, your status online. You, you update your resume. You do all these things to try to make your life different. But here you are, you know, a month later, five months later, a year and a half later, whatever it is, and you're still the same as you were a year and a half ago. You tried your best, but failed. You gave it your best shot, but your best shot fell short. And here's why. Because most of the time, most of the time, when you try to do something different or to be different, you start working on yourself by starting with yourself. You have the wrong starting point. Listen, I know when something's broken, it makes sense, right? When something's broken, go to where it's broken to fix it. But listen, when it comes to you, you cannot fix you. You cannot change you. Not do the things that really, really matter. When it comes to things that, that really matter, you've got to find a new starting point. Listen, what is broken cannot fix what is broken, the broken can't fix the broken. And where this gets really, really critical is when the different that you want to be is more than just what you look like, what you wear, where you go, where you work. It gets really critical when the different you want is about who you are. 
If you want to be different in who you are, starting with what's broken will not work for you. You can't start with you. You have to start at a different starting point. And from my experience and experiences I've, I've been privy to, the only place I know to start when you want the who of you to be different, the only place I know is Jesus as a starting point. I know that's a stretch for some of you. I know you're skeptical about that. So don't take my word. I mean, who am I? Like some of you, it's your first time here. Who, who, why would you listen to me? Don't listen to me. Just give us a chance. Just give this a chance from now and in the next five weeks after this, right up through Easter. Just hang out with us. We are looking at these, these last days of Jesus' life, and we're just showing you, hey, here's how Jesus was so different. And we're learning and discovering that because Jesus was different, you can be different too. Give us a chance. And then you make up your mind for yourself instead of just believing me. Because Jesus is different, you can be different. And last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus is different because he's a different kind of God. Because he actually came and lived with us. No other God in all of history, of all the belief systems, and all the world religions, listen, no other God ever did this before. No other God got personal. Like, I believe there's no other God, period. But all the false gods people have worshipped through all of the, the centuries, none of them have ever done what our God has done. God came to us in the form of Jesus. You know, he birthed on earth and he walked and he talked and he lived among us. The wording actually in the Bible says he tabernacled with us. He, he actually lived with us. He, he made himself accessible and available to you. He put himself right in the middle of our lives. He set himself right in front of us because he wants you to access him. He wants you to, to be, he wants to be accessible to you because he wants to make you different in the ways that you cannot make yourself different. And listen, when Jesus walked this earth, everywhere he went, like thousands and thousands and thousands of lives were made different. People got healed. People got repurposed. People got, got set free. I mean, and everywhere you went and you talked to them, they'd tell you, hey, something happened in my life. Well, how did it happen? They'd give you the same answer. I don't know. All I know is I used to be this way. But now I'm different. And the thing that happened in between was Jesus. Jesus came because he wants you to experience him in this in-between where he can stand there and say, I know what you need to be different, and I know you cannot do that different in you, but I can. Jesus wants to make you different. He's able to make you different. Because he is different, you can be different too. And today, you're going to meet a man who really needed Jesus' kind of different in his life. But let me lead in with this. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Her name is Lisa Harper. She is a very, very funny and fun and um, kind of like full of life speaker, biblical teacher, podcast host. I mean, she does it all. She's hilarious. And she now is in her mid-50s, but even though she's not married and has never been married, she talks about her worst dating experience ever, like when, back when she was in her 20s. So back when she was in her 20s, she had this, this friend, and it was one of those, you know, relationships, and maybe you've had one like this in your life, where sometimes it felt romantic, other times it's just platonic, they, they never could quite land it. But one time, this guy, he, he asked her out. And because it was on Valentine's Day, it felt very, very romantic, right? So they go, both get dressed up, and, and he picks her up, and he takes her to the most expensive restaurant in Nashville, Tennessee. 
and they're sitting there, they're laughing, they're, you know, enjoying their entree and just talking about things that they've shared life, you know, for several years together now as friends. They get dessert and they have that. And when dessert's over and all is done, this guy motions to the waiter and the waiter brings out to their table this, this pretty large rectangular box and he hands it to Lisa. And Lisa is a little bit stunned and she looks at it. And the name on the box, the, the, where it came from, the store is called Jamie's. It was the most exclusive dress shop for women in Nashville. And she's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> he dropped a lot of dollars on this. Or, or maybe he just, you know, is repurposing his mama's box. <laughs> but she opened the box. It was still sealed. Like, nope, this is the original. He bought something for me. And she opened it up and there was a black knit dress in this box. And she sucked her breath in and looked at him and said, I, I didn't get you anything. And he said, I know, you don't need to. I didn't want you to. I, I just wanted to give this to you. And she picked it up out of the, of the box and she held it up. And as she did so, the tag dropped out of the sleeve hanging there. And she saw the exorbitant price that he paid for this little black dress. And she also saw the size. And it wasn't her size. <laughs> at that time, she was a size 8. This was a size 4. And guys, let me explain this for you. Those don't go together. All right? Women, you know it. Guys, you maybe don't know it. And she, she's thinking to herself, I'm going to look like a sausage if, 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 I, if I get in this thing. There's no way I'm going to fit in this dress. She's, oh, this is so nice. And she, in her mind, she's saying, I'm going to take it back tomorrow and exchange it. And you'll never know, da, da. You know. But she's like, listen, this is great. Thank you so much. You know? He's like, hey, put it on. She's like, no, no, I don't want to put it on. We're just enjoying dinner. No, no, I really want you to try it on. She's like, no, like, it's awkward. We're in a nice restaurant. I have to go to the bathroom and change. That's really weird. I don't want to do that. Just, he was so insistent that she finally had to say, listen, it's not my size. I'm a size eight. This is size four. This is just not going to fit. And he looked at her and she said she will never forget what he said next. He said, I know. Lisa, I know what size you were. I know you're a size eight. I saw it on your jacket when we were playing tennis last week. I also know what size I bought you, a size four. And then he said something that you will probably never forget. He said, Lisa, there's about 15 pounds between cute and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Oh, it gets better. <laughs> then he said, and if you could just lose the pounds to fit in that dress, I really believe I could fall in love with you. Worst date ever, right? And so she said, I don't remember what I said, but I remember how I felt. I felt, she probably blacked out. <laughs> she didn't, but she said, I remember how I felt. I, I felt my face get hot and red, and I felt so ashamed, and I felt so unwanted. I felt so unworthy to be pursued. And I don't think she ever went out with him again. <laughs> but she kept the dress. And she took it home. And she hung it in her closet. And she kept that dress for 10 years. And every time she looked at it, it reminded her of what she already believed about herself. That she was unworthy, unwanted, unloved, and simply didn't matter. Now, I tell you that story not to give you a don't ever do this on a date story, but I, I give you that story because I, I don't think anyone ever, maybe, maybe they have, but probably no one's ever bought you like a little black dress that's four sizes too small. But you know the feeling. You know what it's like to feel unwanted and unloved and unworthy to be pursued. You've had people in your life make you feel like you don't 
matter. And maybe that came from your childhood. Or maybe it's like a, a mother-in-law who believes and, and, and tells you that no one was ever good enough for her son, including you. Maybe it's your husband who doesn't think you're worth what he vowed you were worth the day you got married. Maybe it's something that someone treats you like at work or even at your church. Whatever it is, you know what it's like to feel unwanted and unworthy of being pursued. And that's why this morning I want to show you, I want to show you like when that voice rises up in your head that says, you know you'll never measure up. I want to show you why when others make you feel like you don't matter, Jesus enthusiastically says, oh, but you do. That you are worth loving, worth pursuing, worth hearing, worth seeing. I'm going to show you this, the story of this, this guy who didn't feel like he was worth any of those things. And I hope that by hearing his story, it's going to help clarify your story. So it all started one day when Jesus told his, his followers who were gathered around him, when Jesus said, hey, let's go to Jerusalem. And this was not the first time they went, ever went to Jerusalem, but it would be the last time they went to Jerusalem. Jesus and his followers, they're hanging up around the Sea of Galilee. That's about 80 miles north of Jerusalem. It's about a three to four day walk. Imagine that. Hey, let's go somewhere. Okay, we'll walk for four days to get there. So they're going to walk for four days to get there. And they start on that journey. And Jesus knows exactly what the journey is for. He's going to Jerusalem where he will be crucified. And he's fully aware of that. And he told his apostles that, the, the apostles, the 12, were his like 12 closest friends, his 12 closest followers. And so as they're traveling on the road, at some point he pulls them to the side. Maybe he pulls them off to the side. Hey, let's have lunch by ourselves today. Or maybe around the campfire at night. Hey, everybody else has gone to bed in their tents before we, before we tuck in. Let's just, let's just have a conversation, guys. I need to tell you something again. That's the third time he told them this. He said, here's what's going to happen. When we get to Jerusalem, I'm going to be handed over to the people who don't like me. And they're going to arrest me and put me on trial. And then they're going to insult me. And they're going to make fun of me. They're going to spit on me. And then they're going to beat me. And they're going to flog me. And then they're going to crucify me. Dead. But on the third day, I will rise again. And he told them all of that. He said, this is exactly how it's going to go down. And they're like, we don't really get it. But we know it's dangerous, so we're going with you. And so they're on the road, and they're going to Jerusalem. And the roads are crowded. Because this is one of those three times of the year when all the good Jews were, were, were supposed to go and meet in Jerusalem for the Jewish festival. This was Passover. This is one of the big three. And so everywhere uh, from all these towns and villages, from days and weeks away, people are traveling on the road. And the closer they get, the more crowded it gets, especially around Jesus. Because people, they traveled this far and this long just to see Jesus. Now some of them are like merging on from side roads onto the main roads. Oh, here's Jesus. Now we're not just going to see him. We're traveling with him like we're on this tour bus. And they're right there with Jesus. And they come to a little town called Jericho. Now, Jericho was like the last stop before getting to Jerusalem. It's like 18 miles. It's, it's, your, it's your home stretch. It's like you start coming into Jericho and you see these signs, last chance for food and fuel, right, before Jerusalem. And so they're coming to Jericho, and this is what happened. This is Luke chapter 18. You read, follow along the screen as I read. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. It's important right there that Luke tells us, the writer of this is named Luke. Luke tells us that this guy is blind. Listen, being blind back then was very different from being blind today. 
Today, if someone's blind, it's an ailment, right? But back then, if you were blind, you were an outcast. So here's what it meant for this guy. You, you, just by saying he was a blind man, you can, you can discern these things. He's not allowed to go to worship. He's not allowed in the synagogues or in the temple. He's never allowed, so he's never allowed to go to church. He never gets a date, never get asked to the prom, never been asked to be part of any team. He can't hold a job. He probably doesn't have many friends. He's an outcast. In fact, one reason he might be outside of Jericho is some, uh, some scholars believe that the blind weren't even supposed to be in towns. So all of that from this little tiny part that Luke tells us, he was a blind man sitting beside the road begging. His whole life is now just taken down to this one point where he sits along the road and begs. And every day he was told by people passing by, by their words or by their actions, that he didn't matter. But then this happened, verse 36. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. Listen, this was, this was a big time for him. This is one of the three times a year when larger than normal crowds were going by on the street where he would sit begging. This was a great time for him. I remember as a kid, and, and Randy and Sherry, my brother and sister are here, you may remember this um, when we were kids. There were like nine months of the year when we... What's nine? Yes, nine. Nine months of the year when, when we had like most things that we needed. You know, we had clothes, we had food, we had toys, whatever we needed. But there were three months of the year where kind of the money flowed more freely because it was tax season. And my dad was an accountant. He had Phipps Accounting. And so during like mid-January through mid-April, we didn't really see him a whole lot. But man, the money flowed a little bit more freely for some reason during those months. We didn't know why back then, right? It's just the time that it was banner time for my dad's business. This is a banner time for this guy sitting along the road. This is a time when, when larger than normal crowds are going by. People are more generous. They're going to the festival. They're going for this, 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 this uh, getaway with their family. This was a good time for them. And he's sitting there begging, and the crowd's going, going by. And, he, and it's, it's, again, it's probably a, a larger than normal crowd, but he could tell that something significant was happening in front of him. Like, this is larger than larger than normal. For the last week or so, big crowds coming by, but now something even more is happening out in front of me. I can't see it, but I can tell it. So he says, he says this. this. This is what happened. He heard the crowd going by. He asked what was happening. He could tell more people were on the road. This was, this was, this was, this was exciting for him. It was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, and that sparked something in him. He's like, wait. Are you saying Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth? The guy I've heard about? Like maybe, maybe he heard about Jesus. Maybe he actually heard Jesus speaking one time. This was not Jesus' first time in this area. So maybe this blind man has, has already had some experience uh, about or with Jesus. And by now, Jesus' reputation has, has grown. It's pretty significant. So whatever it was, it sparked, it ignited this blind man to do this. Verse 38. He called out, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. And he used this title, Son of David. Son of David. This goes back to when King David was king over Israel. This goes back to when God said to King David, Hey, one of your descendants is going to sit 
on the throne like forever. And he was not talking about, hey, one of your, one of your great, 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 great grandchildren is going to just live forever. The Messiah, the Savior, the anointed one, the one I will send. I'm coming in person someday. It's going to come, David, from your lineage. It was a promise. And so this became this messianic title for the one that people have been waiting for for all of these generations. And the guy that can't see, sees it. And he cries out, son of David. And he uses this, this, this great uh, messianic title from the Old Testament. Son of David, have mercy on me. And even though he's spot on, like even though he's, he's just shouting out God's truth about who Jesus is, nobody cared enough about him or thought enough about him to even listen. Like his voice didn't matter. Verse 39, those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. Think about that for a second. I remember when I was in college, part of one of my classes, it was like a social studies type class. About 12 of us went with our professor up to New York City to see what they were doing in a place called the Bowery Mission. If you ever want to see the underbelly of the underbelly of New York City, you go hang out with the people who run the Bowery Mission. It's, it is amazing ministry that they do. So we went up there, and, and, and for three or four days, we'd kind of help them do what they do. But one day, we had free to roam through New York City. It was a cold winter day. I remember we're walking out. I was with three young ladies who were my friends. And we um, were walking down, uh, like, probably Fifth Avenue somewhere. And this guy passes us, and one of the girls that was with me says, that was, that was John Travolta. I said, no, no, it wasn't. You, you're mistaken. It's cold, the wind sting in your eyes. You're, you're seeing it. No, it was John Travolta. And he's walking away from us like no one else on the sidewalk. I look back and he, this guy's walking away. He's got this pea coat on with his big collar pulled up because it's windy. She said, Rich, you got to go stop him. I said, John. Like, what else am I going to do? Like, hey, John. And he stopped and he turned around. It was John Travolta. And he's like super friendly. He said, hey, how are y'all today? We're doing good. So, so the girl's like, oh, oh, oh. and like he took, we took some pictures, you know, selfies. I don't even know where those pictures are today, but took pictures and, and talked to him for a minute. And, you know, we let him go on his way and they're all excited. But how often does someone really important stop when someone unimportant calls their name? And yet here's God in the flesh with a lot on his mind going to Jerusalem to die. Knowing the suffering that's like just a few days in front of him. And yet when this nobody, voiceless, you know, guy that doesn't matter, from the side of the curb, calls to him, he stops. Jesus stopped. Don't ever miss the significance of that. Jesus stopped because Jesus is different. And he ordered the man to be brought to him. Does that sound odd to you? Sound odd to my wife, Marcia. See, she has the unfortunate experience of letting me walk through messages like for a week or two before you get to hear them. So I'm kind of processing this, reading through this at home with her at the breakfast table. And she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know the story, but it doesn't make sense. Like, why would the guy that can see tell the guy that it can't see to come to him? Why, why wouldn't the guy that can see go to the guy that can't see? Right? Wouldn't it be better that way? Like, hey, I'm sorry you're blind, but navigate your way to me. Like Marco, Polo, Marco. Like, why, why, that's not sacrilegious. Come on. But why, why would Jesus, why would Jesus say, 
bring him to me instead of Jesus going to him. I don't know why. I have two guesses. Like, I, I never thought of that before until Marcia made me. And I started thinking about it. And, and here, here's the first guess I have. Because having this blind man come to Jesus made for a bigger stage. But not for what Jesus was going to do. But so that this guy could be seen by even more people. See, this guy, I think this guy's biggest challenge wasn't that he couldn't see, but that he wasn't seen. I don't know about y'all, but I've, I've known people who don't have sight. And they're some of the most high-capacity, high-functioning, high-capability people I know. See, his problem wasn't that he couldn't see. His problem was he wasn't seen. And I think Jesus, hey, come over here to where I am, because I'm really in the middle of the biggest stage in the world right now, and stand beside me, because I want people to see you, like for the first time in your life. You know, you know what they called him, by the way, the guy walking, the, the guy that sat on the road, the blind guy, you know what they called him? You know? Hey, you need to read your Bibles. You know, you know his name? Bartimaeus, right? Bartimaeus, yeah. Bart, you know that wasn't even his name? Bartimaeus just means son of Timaeus. Like he was so much not worth listening to, seeing, like he didn't matter so much to people, they didn't even know his name. They just said, oh, that's Bartimaeus' blind kid. And that's how, you read your Bible. We call him blind Bartimaeus. But Jesus was different. Jesus says, oh, I hear you. And I see you. And come stand beside me. In fact, Jesus was so different, he was about to make this guy's life different. But he, that's the first reason I think Jesus maybe called him over to where he was. But here's the second reason I think Jesus may have called this blind man to him. Because the place Jesus was calling him from was not the place he would ever go back to. Think about that for a second. Hey, that, that little spot on the curb has been your spot for like, I don't know, 15, 25, 30 years? I'm calling you from it, and you're never going back to it, so leave it. And just come stand beside me. Wouldn't it be great if in your life, where Jesus knows you've been kind of residing in some of those shameful places, God said, you know what? I'm going to call you from that, and you never have to go back to that again. So Jesus not only said, I see you and I hear you, but Jesus also was saying, I claim you. I claim you. This guy who was never claimed by anyone or for anything just got claimed by Jesus. And I think maybe both those reasons... Could have been why Jesus called Bartimaeus, or the blind man, to leave where he was and come to where Jesus was. Let's keep reading. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? The guy who's never given a voice just got audience with the king. And when you get an audience with the king, what are you going to do? Go for it, right? So this guy says, the king of all kings is asking me, like, what do you want? What do I want from you? He just went for it. This is what he said. He said, Lord, I want to see. Like, I want a miracle. Why stop short? I want you to do for me what no one else can do for me, what no one else has ever done for me. Hey, I love the fact that I get to stand beside you. I love the fact that you see me and you hear me. But I want you to do something that no one else can ever do for me. I want my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. 
Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. And that's the end of that story. At least what's written down for us. I'm sure it was great the rest of the, the, rest of the way. But here's what that story does for me. This event, this event with Jesus and this blind guy tells me something really, really, really important about Jesus. Not just that he's powerful, not just that he's fully God, not just that he can, can do miracles and heal a man that was blind. This, this, this event doesn't just tell me so much like what Jesus is like, but it tells me who Jesus likes. Think about that. Nobody liked this guy. Nobody paid him attention. Nobody cared for him. To everybody else, this guy didn't matter. But along comes Jesus and says, oh, I like you. I heard what you called me. Son of David, I haven't heard that for a long time. Come here. He heard what he called him. He said, I, I like your style, man. I, I like you. You know me. You get me. Most of the people around me, they don't even know that. You're the one that can't see, and they can't see this. I think, Jesus, I think Jesus was like smiling ear to ear when he, when he called this guy over and said, oh, man, you just wait. You can't see it, but in a minute you're going to. I think Jesus just really, really liked this guy. And so he claimed this guy. And he claimed him with, claimed his shame, claimed his guilt, claimed his um, uncleanliness. I can't, I can't imagine what he looked like and smelled like, but Jesus like, I don't care. Just come over here. Jesus claimed him. I think Jesus was crazy about him. Jesus liked him, just like Jesus likes you. When other people around you make you feel like you don't matter, when, when, when people around you make it feel like nobody likes you, when they, you feel like you're not heard or not seen or not worthy or not worth being pursued, Jesus says, but you are. You're why I came. And you're none of those things because you're everything to me. Jesus really likes you. I don't know if you ever thought about that. I know Jesus loves you. This I know for the Bible tells me so. But he likes you. There's a difference, right? How many of y'all love your spouse? How many of you like your spouse? Like, like, that's like a third of the hands, right? There are days, oh my gosh, one guy just leaned over and kissed her. That's great. <laughs> but, but, but it's different, right? You can love someone, but not always like them. I think Jesus says, hey, I love you, but man, guess what? I like you too. I'd like to hang out with you. So come over to where I am. See, God put himself right in the midst of your life so that you can. And he calls you to himself, just like he did with this blind man along the road outside of Jericho. My hunch is you have times when really in your life you feel like you don't matter. When again, you're not worth enough to be pursued. Maybe you, I, I'll bet you have a little black dress hanging somewhere in your closet or the closet of your life. And it reminds you of what a part of you already believes, that you're not worth being seen. You're not worth being heard, that you really just don't matter. And here comes Jesus. He says, but you do. I love you. And wow, I'm crazy about you. I believe it. And the price of that thing hanging in your closet is exorbitant. It reminds you every time you see it. And Jesus says, throw it out. Because it doesn't fit you. And it doesn't need to hang in your life anymore. 
the place you used to sit at the road is not your place anymore. I have a better place for you, a place that's different, because from now on, you're going to be different. And listen, you need to hear this, because I don't want you to walk out of here um, confused about this. This doesn't always mean you're going to be fixed. Doesn't always mean you're going to be fixed. Like, not every blind person gets their sight back. It doesn't mean you're going to be fixed, but it does mean you'll be free. And when you understand that, sometimes even better than being fixed. When everyone else or anyone else makes you believe that you don't matter, Jesus says that you do. And maybe it's time you started to believe him and let him invite you right to where he's standing. With that in mind, let me throw you this week's weekly ask. Now, the weekly ask is something we, we give you every single week. I know you take it home. and I know you do it, right? It's not just something to think about. It's something you either talk about to continue the conversation or to go and do to live it out. So here's this week's weekly ask. Number one, have this conversation with someone, maybe who brought you today, maybe who you're watching online with today, maybe with um, a friend or a neighbor, somebody else. Have this conversation with them. Where and when have you felt like you don't matter or where you're not worth enough to be pursued? I think that's something common to all of us. When and where have you felt like that in, in your life? And number two, what would it feel like what would it feel like if you could leave that feeling, that place behind and never have to go back? Let me encourage you to really hunt that down this week and have that conversation with someone and talk and pray it through. And here's number three. This is a talking point. If you've got kids down in crew this morning, they're talking about some of the same things. They're looking at the same passage of scripture. And here's, they're bringing this home uh, on a laminated card for you to talk with them all week about. Your kids want to talk to you about this. Jesus remembers us even when we feel left out. So I hope you have that conversation with your kids. Friends, that's the message for this morning. Let me pray us out of the message before we go into what's next. So Jesus, this morning, we thank you so much that you are a good and gracious God. You're a God that, that uh, is not afraid to go into the hard places. Uh, you faced what you had to face so that we can face what we have to face. And Jesus, we're so thankful also that as we make the journey, we find that you're on the road with us, and you even call us to you, and you claim us, saying that we are people who actually matter, even if others tell us that we don't. And Lord, I pray this morning for every person that's in this space, every person that's joining us online or hear this later at another day, that, that they would know they can trust you in this, and all they have to do is say, Jesus I need you, and you are ready to receive them and love them and like them and claim them. Jesus, I pray that they would make that decision even this day. Jesus, I commit all of this to you, and we pray this in your holy name. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can